Father, you are our God, and we gather here today to worship you as the King of kings, as the Lord of our lives, and to acknowledge that you are the one who created all things and sustains all things, and we are your servants. And so, Father, we we gather as a church to proclaim your greatness, and we open your word to see truth from your scriptures that change our lives, and we pray, Father, that you will help us to live in our, in our households, in our community, as salt and light, and that we might truly make a difference. Thank you for the gift of life, and may we use our life to the fullest for your glory. Thank you for this church and just how sweet it is to be with people that we love. And, and I pray, Father, that our relationships will be ever growing closer to one another as we're growing close to you. And may you be overflowing the boundaries of our life so that our life is just spilled out in service to you and others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. If you'll open your Bibles, turn them on to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, we continue uh, this series called Look Up, where we've been journeying through the book of Philippians. One of the things that we've been inviting you to do during this series is if you have a picture that you have taken that inspires you to look up, to submit it to us, and then once a week, Cindy Langford picks one of those to be a winner. Now, if you submit one and don't get picked, don't be a sore loser or anything like that. Uh, we can only pick one each week. Uh, but we invite you always to submit a picture to office at murphychurch.com. This week's lookup winner is Zach Leonard. And uh, Zach's in here, isn't he? Where's Zach? There he is. Right, you guys give it up for Zach. He, he, he's up in the, in the sound. Okay. He's running the sound right now. Zach is one of our students, and he took this picture at the Plano Balloon. Bless you. He took that picture at the Plano Balloon Festival, and I think he was actually even on the crew that was helping that balloon get launched. Thankfully, he wasn't hanging by a rope or anything like that whenever he, he took that picture. But it, it's a great picture, Zach. Very, very well done. Well, my middle daughter, McKenna, turned five here recently. And so hard to believe, but as a, as a five-year-old, you know, she got presents from her friends, and her Aunt Jackie, who lives a little ways away, sent her a present in the mail. And if you know anything about five-year-old culture, whenever a, something's coming in the mail, that's a big deal. And so she gets it, and she opens it up, and it's the pop the pig game. And this game is one of those only in Texas kind of games. You feed this pig hamburgers until its stomach pops. I mean, it's a great game. It's really pretty fun. I, I enjoyed playing it yesterday myself. So McKenna gets this game, and she's like, this is just what I always wanted. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, yes, whenever you come out of the womb, the one thing you want is pop the pig game right there. You know, do you remember whenever you used to think, if I can just get this, then it will be just what I always wanted. That contentment for me is just one acquisition away. I'm just one accomplishment away from having just what I always wanted. And so you worked hard. You got his attention. You got the date. Then the two of you fell in love, and then you got married, and now you're beginning to realize that till death do you part. That can be a long time. You studied into the night. You got the degree. 
you got the new job and you thought to yourself, this is exactly what I always wanted. Now I've arrived and you're still struggling to pay the medical bills, keep up with the property taxes and the mortgage. You had the baby and you thought to yourself, this is just what I always wanted. But then you felt a little incomplete, so you had another one. And then you felt a little incomplete, so you had another one. And now you're exhausted. You ate right. You exercised. You lost the weight. You got in shape. You can run a 5K in 30 minutes. You thought, you know, if I can only get healthy again, it'll be just what I always wanted. But you've done all that exercise and your body still felt like it was hit by a truck today whenever you woke up. A lot of us spend countless dollars, tears, and years chasing this elusive, Bigfoot-like creature called contentment. And along the way, we're always thinking that we will arrive just with that next purchase, that next accomplishment, then we will have just what I always wanted. Well, here's what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 10. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that once again you renewed your care for me. You were, in fact, concerned about me but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know both how to have a little and I know how to have a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, remember, Paul wrote this letter to the church of Philippi whenever he is in jail. He had lost his freedom. His family was not close to him. He loved the churches that he had started so dearly, and he wasn't able to go and be with them and worship and love them and enjoy those relationships. He had a very, very uncertain future. He didn't know if he would be alive next month. He didn't know what was ahead. He had health problems on top of that. He's in this arrested state where he had no Fios TV. They had confiscated his iPhone. Uh, There was no Whataburger. It was a very, very difficult set of circumstances for the Apostle Paul. And in the middle of all this, he writes to this church, I'm content. In fact, I've learned that I can be content no matter what the circumstances, whether I have a lot or whether I have a little, I have learned that it's possible to be content, to have this deep sense of gratitude and satisfaction in life. Now, how does he do that? How can this guy, in these circumstances, be showing gratitude rather than attitude? Because I don't know about you, if I'm in those circumstances like he was, I would probably be showing a little bit of attitude. But I want to be like Paul. I want to be somebody that no matter what the circumstances, I can be grateful and I can be content. So how do we slay the monster of more in our life? I want us to look at this passage today. I want us to pull three ideas out of the passage. It's a pretty simple uh, sermon. We're we're not going to swim into the depths of thinking today. Uh, You know, just very simple, practical 
sermon this morning. But the first thing I want you to notice about the Apostle Paul is that he was appreciative of the people who cared about him. Apparently, there was a gap between the onset of Paul's suffering and the care from the church. Now, the whole book revolves around this love gift that the church there at Philippi sent Paul. They, they found out about Paul being in prison. In that day and time, whenever you were in prison, they didn't provide for you meals or clothing or, or blankets or anything like that. So your family and friends had to bring those things to you. So the church there in Philippi hears about Paul. They load up this man named Epaphroditus with stuff. He takes it to Paul, and then Paul writes back the church, and the Holy Spirit inspires the writing into this book that has become part of our scriptures. But apparently, there was a little bit of a gap between the time that the church responded and Paul's initial hardship. Because he writes to them, I rejoiced greatly and I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that once again you renewed your care for me. And then he says, You were in fact concerned about me. So I, I knew that you were concerned about me, but you had lacked opportunity to show it. Stuff had come up. You, you were busy, and, and it took you a while to, to be able to show the love that you have for me. But I want you to observe that Paul did not throw a guilt trip upon those who cared for him. He didn't say to the church, you know, if you loved me, you would have come earlier. He also didn't overstate his condition. He doesn't give this litany of, here's all my hardships. Do you know how bad my life is? What Paul did do was he showed appreciation for those who cared about him. Now, now let me tell you how to be lonely. Let me tell you how to be an angry person. Let me tell you how to live your life as a very hurt person. Particularly as you grow older, let me tell you how to grow old and be lonely and angry and hurt. Never be satisfied with the people who care about you. Those people in your life, they care about you. Your kids, your spouse, your family, your friends. Those, and it's usually just a few people, those few people that really care about you. Refuse to be satisfied with them. Always be wanting them to do more. Well, well, it's nice that my son texted me, but he should have called. Oh, look, he called. Well, he should have come by in person. Well, my son came by, he stayed for an hour. But why couldn't he have stayed for two? Look, he brought me food. But I sent him a whole grocery list and he missed two items. Whenever we are grateful towards those people in our life that, that we love, those people that we care about, whenever we're grateful towards them, it fuels love. But I see this a lot, particularly in family relationships, that instead of expressing gratitude to those people, we try to pour guilt and fear upon them. And guilt and fear may fuel duty, but it will diminish joy. And so I just want to remind you this morning, this is something that we know, but we forget sometimes. When that three-year-old draws you a picture, appreciate it. Ah, this is a masterpiece. Son, I think you're the next Picasso. I don't understand what he's drawing either, but this is great. Whenever that six-year-old stands on the fireplace and sings that song, 
you applaud it like it's lashing the pallbearers singing, okay? Whenever that teenager tells you his dreams, encourage him. Push him towards, let him be a dreamer. You don't have to pick apart his business plan whenever he's 13. Whenever your child grows up and and they buy that first house and they they ask you to come see it, don't walk through it and go, ooh, I can't believe this. Oh, man, ooh and ah. And tell them how proud you are of them and, and tell them what a great home this is going to be. Whenever grandchildren arrive, go into their world. Don't just wait for them to come see you. You do your best to go see them, and you dive into their world, and you get down on the floor if you can and play with them and talk to them about their world. Make sure that you take the time to show love and appreciation for those in your life that care about you. If if you desire contentment, if you desire joy, if you desire love, then you always have to take time to delight in those moments, whether they're big moments graduation, marriages, things like that, or those small little moments that just occur in everyday life when people take time to care about you. Be a grateful person. Paul thanked the church. He, he, he didn't pour the guilt trip on them. But now secondly, I want you to see that he also refused to envy. He says in, in verse 11, I, I'm not saying this out of need. For I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know both how to have a little and I know how to have a lot in any and all circumstances. I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or whether hungry, whether in abundance or in need. Basically saying, I don't need anything. There's not something that you have that I I need. In the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, 17, one of the commandments is that we should not covet. Do not covet. What does that word covet mean? It comes from a Hebrew word in its root. It means to delight or to desire something greatly. In particular, something that you do not have. You delight in or you desire it greatly. As we translate that into Texan, I can define it for us as coveting is a desire to acquire that has gone haywire. Okay? You like it? So sometimes people say, well, you know, the Bible really ruins my fun. It teaches me that I can't desire anything, that I'm not supposed to have any goals in life, that I'm supposed to live my life vacant of vision. That's not what God is driving at here. It's okay for you to have ambition. It's okay for you to have some natural basic desires for things, to want to better yourself, to want to be a good steward of that which you have. The main idea here in this not envying thought is that you're not to desire what God has given to somebody else. So some practical examples. It's good to think that your spouse is good looking. Okay, It's it's okay, guys, to think that your spouse is good looking. I see you guys holding hands. That's good. Very good. It's bad to lust after somebody else's spouse. It's good to want your house to be a nice home, to want it to have nice decorations, to take care of it, to be a comfortable place to live. It's bad for you to go to your brother-in-law's house at Thanksgiving and walk in and start saying, wow, I can't believe he has all this stuff. It's good to encourage your eight-year-old in sports. It's bad to trade him and a fifth-round draft pick 
for your neighbor's seven-year-old that has a cannon arm, okay? Appreciate what you have. Take care of what you have, and don't be coveting those things that God has blessed somebody else with. Whenever our desire to acquire goes haywire, it causes us to become green with envy. And envy is an enemy of joy. Envy is a nemesis to contentment. If you always feel like, I have to be the strongest, I have to be the fastest, I have to be the leanest and the meanest, and and, and I always have to just compete all the time, then you're always going to feel badly in life because there's always going to be somebody out there that is better, that is richer, that is faster and smarter than you. Keep striving towards excellence. Take the talents and the gifts and the blessings that God has given you. Make the most of them. Strive towards excellence. Be a good steward of that which you have, but be thankful for what you have. Enjoy today. Because this moment is the only moment that you really have. So enjoy it. Envy causes us not to be able to be happy for others. In fact, we even come to a point where we we delight in their failures. And and in delighting in somebody else's failures, we become superficial. Now, we usually don't tell them that we delight in their failures. We try to mask it a little bit. We extend plastic praise. Oh, Isn't that good? You got a a new home. Well, that's special. That's nice. We get paranoid. Somebody invites us to lunch, and we're like, well, I wonder what their angle is. I wonder what they're trying to get out of me. We start doing one-upmanship. Friend comes to you and says, hey, we just got back from Cancun. Oh, really? Yeah, well, we just got back from Hawaii. Let me tell you about Hawaii. You know, it's very sad to me that a lot of us feel like failures. Even within an area like this, where our McDonald's has chandeliers, and we live in nice, that still just blows me away, I'm sorry. We live in nice homes, and we have nice lives, and a lot of us just feel like failures, because instead of appreciating what we have, we are constantly stalking what we don't have. Well, the Apostle Paul, he he refused to live with envy. And then finally, I want you to notice that he found his strength in Christ. In verse 13, he writes this, this very famous verse. He says, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, that's a T-shirt verse. Okay, that's one of those verses that we slap up on the calendar, on the T-shirts. Uh, it's one of those power team verses. You know, remember those muscle guys? I think we actually had them here on this stage about eight years ago, the, the big muscle guys that rip phone booths in half, and they, they break boards with their heads, and they run through like six-foot ice cubes. I used to actually be on the power team. I was the guy, they, they would put these six-foot ice cubes there, and I would run through them and break them. I was six-foot-three back then. And after I hit that ice a few times, oh, never mind, I, I wasn't really on, on the power team. But it's one of those verses that, that we, we, we thrive on in Christianity. I can do it. I can do all things through Christ. But I want you to observe that 4.13 is really not an I verse, it's a him verse. The major thought of this passage of Scripture is that you can do what God has called you to. 
Whether your circumstances right now are easy or difficult, whether you are filled with anxiety or whether your soul is just calm and peaceful, you can do what God has called you to because He's going to give you the strength. I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. A lot of us this morning are panicked. You come into the room with a, with a sense of nervousness, a sense of anxiety, and you're here, and God says, take a deep breath. You can do this. It's, it's going to be okay. Whatever's required, whatever the challenge, whatever the hardship you're facing right now, you can do it. Because God promises us that He is here with us. He promises us that He will, he will never leave us nor forsake us. Whenever we call out to God and we ask why, he, he never gives us the answers to all of our whys, but He always promises us His presence in our cries. And God says, I, I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I will give you the strength to deal with the challenges of your life. I've observed over the years that people come to church for a lot of different reasons. Sometimes people come to church for their kids. Uh, the Lord blessed me with a kid. Now I've got to teach it something. Let's take it to church. <laughs> Hey, they got free child care there. Whoa, here we go. Now we're really talking, right? Uh, sometimes we come to church for a better me. And for a lot of folks, it's like exercising. Exercise makes a better body, so I go to church for a healthier soul. For some people, they go to church because it, it's just how I was raised. My parents took me to church, and that's where I find my morals and ethics. It's just a part of who I am. But over, over the years, I have observed that there's a difference between somebody who goes to church and somebody who really radiates godliness. There's a lot of people who go to church. There's not that many people that really radiate godliness. Whenever you hear them, whenever you're around them, you just say to yourself, they, they walk with God. They're not perfect, but they, they walk with God. And it really comes down to the difference between pride and worship. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13 is kind of like a mirror. And it reveals to us where we are in the quest. You have two halves to the verse. The first half being, I can do all things. The second half being, through Him who strengthens me. And if you read that verse and you automatically see the first part of the verse, I can do all things, but you miss the second half of the verse, you're probably still young in the faith. Now, I don't mean that in a condemning way. We're glad that you're here. And we're going to help you. And we're here to walk this journey with you. But whenever you mature in the faith, then you begin to realize that it's the second half of the verse that brings meaning to the first half, through Him who strengthens me. You see, early on in our Christian journey, we often spend our time celebrating the the things that God has given us. We worship God and we're thankful for we're thankful for the new job. We're thankful for the accomplishments. We're thankful for the stuff, these, these achievements. But as you mature in the faith, you start celebrating God. Apart from God, I can't do it. Apart from God, I, I don't have the strength. I don't have hope. And without hope, where is gratitude? Because if you don't truly have hope in the reality of heaven and in something beyond this life, then the hope that you talk about is really temporal. It's going to die out at some point. So for me to have eternal hope, I have to have an eternal belief, a faith in God that transcends this life. 
And it's in that eternal hope that I have true gratitude. It's in the reality that God loved the world so much that he intervened into our scene so that we might be redeemed. He sent his son. His son lived the life that I could never live. His son died on the cross for my sins. His son overcame death. The scriptures call us to believe in him. And it's whenever we place our faith in him that we have forgiveness, we have grace, we have real hope, meaning contentment in life. And so it's because of the God who strengthens me that I can do it. It's because of the God who strengthens me that Paul says, I have found the secret. I found the secret to be content in all things. And so the passage reads today, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that once again you renewed your care for me. You were, in fact, concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know both how to have a little and I know how to have a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. Are you ready for it? I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. And in this never-ending quest for the next thing, the reality is this is just what I always wanted. The contentment, the joy, the peace that comes from knowing God, being his, being forgiven, living my life for His glory, living my life beyond myself, and living with eternity in mind. Would you be so kind as to stand with me, please, as we come to a time of commitment? The band's going to come, and they're going to lead us in worship. If today is the day that that you need to believe in Christ, He has shown you your need of Him, and, and you need to respond to it, I encourage you to come see me. I'll be here at the front. During the song, I'll be here, be here after the service as well. And I would like to talk to you about what it means to be a believer. For others, this is a time where you desire to spend it in prayer. You can be seated at your seat and pray. You can come forward and pray. Maybe there's somebody that you want to pray with. It's also a time where you can reflect on your thoughts and, and write out thoughts that maybe the Holy Spirit has spoken to you about. And then many of us will join with the band in singing this hymn as an offering of praise to our Lord. Heavenly Father, I want to first of all just thank you for the gift of life. I I thank you that I'm alive. I thank you that we're able to enjoy the simple things of being alive. And Father, thank you for your abundant blessings because I'm so undeserving in so many ways. I thank you, Lord, for a wife that loves me, for three little kids that call me daddy. I thank you, Father, for the joy of being a part of this church. Being here on, in this moment with our friends to, to sing songs to you and praise you. I thank you, Lord, for the simple things like food, water, shelter, transportation, clothing, those things in life that we so often take for granted. And Lord, I know that in this room, a lot of us are nervous. We're 
We're nervous about what tomorrow holds. We're, we're nervous about that next challenge. And I pray, Lord, that you will help us not to worry, not to be anxious about anything, but in everything pray. And Lord, I pray for a peace that passes all understanding, that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And Lord, we realize that whenever that peace begins to reign in our lives, that we find this deep sense of joy and contentment that is what we have been chasing all of our life. That the answer to the hole in our heart is not the next thing. The answer is you. And so, Lord, we pour the totality of ourselves in you. We rejoice in the Lord and we find our strength in him. And we worship you as the King of kings and the Lord of lords because that is who you are. You are our God. And we sing these praises to you. In Jesus' name, amen.